they were like, let's just see if it works. You, you should say that on the podcast. I think that would be great. Welcome, everyone, to the CavsCorner.com podcast. CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, September the 15th, and Virginia is 2-0. and Brendan Armstrong is just humming along. Um, <laughs> Cavalier offense is like fourth nationally in terms of overall grade. Um, passing offense is currently second best in the country. Um, so yeah, lots to, lots to discuss, um, a, a resounding victory over the Illini, uh, last week. We will recap that a bit. Uh, some of us have a little crow to eat, um, for that 42 to 14 shellacking, not necessarily, I guess, for that specific game, but just in general. Uh, and then we will preview, uh, this weekend's matchup in Chapel Hill. Um, obviously a very interesting one for a variety of different reasons, which we will no doubt be getting into very shortly. Let's go around and introduce everybody first. Up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? Doing great, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter? I like how I like the weeks when you keep it really simple, but also it makes yeah. me feel like maybe you're maybe you haven't had a great day, and I and I always no, want to stop and like. Oh, fair enough. All right, meeting with up my in, uh, and stuff, trying to get donations together. That's all. I hear that. <laughs> up in uh, Loud and Staff Writer Justin Ferb is also on the program. What's going on, my dude? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. I don't really don't have anything else. Um, at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. <laughs> Managing editor uh, Damon Dillman up in Charles was also on this here program. Damon, you haven't quit yet, so that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> Cavaliers are 2-0. and I'm going to give you the first word, and then you have to come back with me for the Twitter handle. But uh, how happy are you about uh, the start of the season you've seen so far? I'm just super. Thanks for asking. Oh, my gosh. You guys into thanks for asking. No, I mean, no, to answer your question, I mean, I think basically I was thinking about this today and I think the best way you could describe it is they've taken care of their business in the first two games. I, I think there are a lot of reasons for excitement, a lot of reasons for optimism, but there's also that caveat of these have not exactly been the 85 Bears and the uh, 2019 Kansas City Chiefs that they've played these first two weeks. Well, I think we'll have a much better idea of where this team actually is after this weekend in Chapel Hill. But, but I mean, I think... I, there's something to be said for a team just going out and handling its business the way UVA has, especially as impressively as it did offensively against Illinois. I think the flip side of it would be if they had not executed to the degree, to the degree that they did in these first two games on both sides of the ball, there would be a lot more cause for concern. And so I think that being the alternative, things are pretty good right now. We'll just kind of see how it looks in Chapel Hill. And then, I'm sure the discussion next week will be a little bit more pointed. We'll have a much better idea of what we're talking about. Very true. Very true. All right. Give the people your Twitter handle. So oh, yes. The, yes. At, da at Damon Dillman. 
And Cavs Corner also under the Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, I, I think Damon makes a couple of really good points there, Dave, and I want to kind of circle back on two things. One, the offense, certainly through two games at least, you know, has taken care of its business. We've seen a little bit of a different offense in those two games, right? Cavaliers obviously came out against William Mary and looked a little bit, I don't know, to, to use uh, a, a term um, – well, actually, I'll, I'll rephrase. The, it looked it looked experimental at best, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, things got back to what looked like what was on script, and they rolled. There was no there was no experimenting against the Illini. Um, they looked like a hot knife through butter. Part of that is because Illinois' defense is terrible, um, and I say that with all due respect, um, not to be too Ricky Bobby about it, but. Um, I thought that their execution was at such a high level that, you know, kind of didn't really matter who they were playing. I think they were just going to, well, that's, I guess, relative. But suffice to say that they were going to have success, right? They were they were in a really good spot. Um, what do you make of the offense so far, Dave? And two, in, in terms of what you expect to translate, um, how much is there? Um, I mean, so far the offense is good, right? I mean, the offense's job is to score points. They're averaging 42 and a half a game. That's pretty good. They average that for the year. We're probably having a very fun, you know, discussion about where we're playing in the postseason. Um, but I mean, I, I, if there's two things I like the most about the offense. Number one is they're for the most part protecting the ball. The two turnovers last week you know, against Illinois, one of them was just a great individual play. Yeah. You know, other one was, you know, just bad ball handling, but. You know, two turnovers through two games, despite scoring all those points and all those pass attempts, um, would be number one. And number two, like the quarterback staying clean for the most part. Obviously, Brendan took a took a hit there in the second half. Um, that we wouldn't, you know, you don't want to see your quarterback, <laughs> you know, hobbling to the to the medical tent. But you know, generally speaking, against the team, you know, look, I don't think any of us thought Illinois was going to be world beaters on defense, but they do have size on the line, and if they were going to disrupt Virginia's flow. It was going to be about, you know, you know, jamming up the holes, creating, getting pressure in Brennan's face, making him, you know, get uncomfortable. And I mean, that dude was comfortable all day. Um, so those two things, like if that can translate as the defensive um, test get tougher coming up, that's a good sign. But yeah, I mean, I feel like they're multiple. They're not, you know, it's not two games of 40 something points. Plus, you know, Brennan is not really running the ball yet. That's another part of the offense that, you know, assuming nothing's wrong with his knee, um, you know, assume that's another part of the offense that can be kind of kind of brought in. So, like, I, I'm pretty happy. I mean, I think the only thing you could make any gripes about was the start of the William Mary game. And, again, like I said last week, when you went back and watched that over, it wasn't as bad as it seemed in person because they were just a missed pass here or there. So, yeah, so far so good. Ferber, I feel like I mean I'm I'm sure there are other people, obviously people connected with the program, who and you know handful of folks on the outside too I'm sure who have seen you know more of Brendan Armstrong than you have, um, but considering how many times you've watched different clips and put things together, I would imagine that you have seen a lot of him over the past couple seasons. Um, in terms of his comfort level and in terms of mechanics and kind of be, just being on. Um, where does Saturday rank? I mean, was that the best he's looked in a Virginia uniform to you? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, the, I think, the best he's played. Um, 
I mean, he certainly, I mean, it's not the best game he had with his legs by far. I mean, he had a lot of games last year where he ran the ball really well, but this was the best he's done as a passer and just as a ball mover. Um, I mean, in the fourth, in the third and fourth quarter, I, every, every play basically, I was updating Dave on how close he was getting to our 500 total yards prop because um, he was starting to get close. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I went back and rewatched the game for the film room and, you know, the first thing that stood out to me is what you said, Illinois defense is garbage. Um, like they just, they're just not good. Um, and I think, I mean, I'm sure they'll get better, but they're just not there right now. Um, but there have been opportunities in the past that UVA quarterbacks have had against similar defenses where they didn't connect on the throws and they didn't mm -hmm. make the right reads, or maybe yep. they threw the ball too quick or they took off too quick. Um, he hit everything that he needed to hit. And I mean, in the first half, especially, I went back and watched every throw. Um, I think that's as accurate as he's been down the field. Um, a lot of the throws he made were to guys that weren't like having to jump up and like beat a defender, you know, 50 50 balls, which is good. Um, but the ones that he did throw to guys, even if they were open, they were right where they needed to be most of the time. Um, he didn't miss throws to guys that, you know, could have been touchdowns. He didn't really leave a lot of points out there. Even his interception in the second half was kind of bad luck. I mean, it wasn't like a badly thrown ball and it just kind of got taken away by good play from the defender. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was on all game and that kind of made me feel a little better about what I was watching because my first takeaway watching the first couple of drives, I was like, man, Illinois is so bad. I don't know if we can take anything from this. But Armstrong was so sharp that I was like, you know, even if the defense isn't that good, it's good to see that he was um, hitting his spots everywhere. And then also, like, the, another thing that stood out is just the protection that he had. I mean, he had all day to throw. And Illinois didn't really blitz much. Um, and because I just don't think that they thought they could do that effectively. Um, and, you know, he sat back there and picked them apart, made the right reads, found the right guys. And, yeah, I think that's as good as he's played. I think what stands out to me, Damon, is I've, you know, not just, you know, sort of marinated, but also, you know, I rewatched a little bit. Um, it, 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 it's his comfort level, right? Um, I, I, I don't think that I can say that there were many games in the past where he even came really close to this. Now, there have definitely been moments, um, but not games, right? Um the consistency across four quarters or, you know, however, you know, if you, how, if you, how you want to frame that last one, but, you know, consistency, I mean, he goes, what, 40, 27 to 36 for 405, five touchdowns. He did have a pick, which, you know, was a, just a hell of a play by the DB, honestly. But I think it's just his, it's his comfort level, not just in terms of like, okay, what's the offense asking me to do, but going through his reads, you know, he, 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 he seems to be, um, I just think that he seems to have leveled up. Now, the question is, how much of that leveling up is because of him, his comfort level with the offense, his, um, you know, his trust in his playmakers? We're going to get to the playmakers in a second. But in terms of his overall sort of package, right, that the offense can can put out there versus just Illinois being terrible. When you look at that, those two options, Damon, what do you give that? Was this more of Armstrong being really good, the offense being really good? Or a question of just, you know, Illinois is terrible and we all, you know, put the four of us out there and we would have looked like, you know, um, well, let's not we get were crazy here. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I am left handed, so I guess that would make <laughs> me the quarterback. That's true. In, yeah, that's true. In this scenario. No, I think it's a little of a column A, a little of column B, but I really do think he has 
Uh, I know I keep saying it, but all the things he talked about in the off season, the things he worked on that he wanted to improve upon, he has lived up to that talk through these first two games. I go back to, and I think I talked about this last week too, but the throw that really seemed to get him going against William and Mary was a third down in on the first touchdown drive to Dontavian Wicks, where he didn't take off and run. He did stay in the pocket and, and bide his time. And you can see him going through his reads and he found Wicks across the field for a big gain on third down. And two plays later, they were in the end zone. And that to me was that, that was the play that I remember watching it in real time from the press box and thinking, all right, that's what he was talking about when he talked about how he was going to do a better job of going through his reads and he was going to do a better job of not forcing the ball into tight spots and seeing who else was open. And so ever since that, that, that throw just seemed like it got him going against William and Mary. And he's kind of been in that rhythm ever since he talked about that last drive against William and Mary, when they scored that last touchdown, when he probably shouldn't have even been in the game, but he and Bronco both thought it was so important that he gets into that rhythm. And then sure enough, that carries over into that first, those first couple of drives, they ran, what was it? Eight plays in the first two drives. Six of them were either for first downs or touchdowns. They, they just were clicking on all cylinders from the first snap. The first snap was that throw down the middle of the field to Jelani Woods. And it just seemed like once he got into that rhythm right away, he just never let up. And I just, I really think it's just a matter of the things he talked about, the work he put in, being a smarter quarterback, being a more efficient quarterback. He has looked, he has lived up to that. He has been the part he since through these first two games. And I do think, yeah, I mean, William and Mary in Illinois might not have been the steel curtain, but not to use the old cliche, but they're on scholarship too. Uh, but no, and especially when you hear some of the stuff Ferber talked about in terms of breaking down the video and looking at it more closely and, and how just the credit goes to Brennan for just being on the, making the right decisions and putting the ball where it needs to be, whether the guy's open or not. And, and that's, that bodes well moving forward to me because the numbers he's put up are just their video game numbers. They're crazy. So let's, um, I, I want to unpack something before we, you know, I mentioned we we're going to get to playmakers. Dave, I feel like we should have some sort of, I mean, you know, we, we talked a lot last year when, 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 um, uh, Davis was my guy, right? We talked, we talked a lot about that. Um, yeah, your dude went for five catches for a buck 22 and a touchdown. And he, I mean, if you had told me he, he had a thousand yards receiving, I probably would have believed it. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy that dominant on a football field. Uh, in a Virginia uniform. Now, granted, there were definitely some games where Bryce Perkins was just kind of all, you know, but he, I mean, I felt like everything Jelani Woods did Saturday was just unreal. Like, watching him do it, he, he car carrying dudes left and right. I mean, he he absolutely looked like a man-child um, out there. I, I, I want to give you the floor to talk about your, your guy here because... I mean, look, if this is what if this is what Virginia folks can expect from Jelani Woods, you know what? Uh, it's going to be a fun season. Um, from your vantage point, how how much did this kind of click with what you expected to see from him even, you know, starting last week? I mean, that's what I hope to see. I, I don't know that like I mean, where we sit, like we get a little bit of you can kind of tell how big players are. Jelani Woods is a big dude. Like I'm 
It's like Chris Canny running tight end routes, like exactly. out there. Exactly. He's like Chris I mean, Canny running. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. And so that first touchdown, um, you know, coming our way, it it was like he's a foot taller than anyone trying to guard him, um, and three feet wider. So it's just, and he's got such good hips, like you know, it like it was fun to watch. Um, you know, after that first drive, he was on pace to to set every record known to man. Um, but you know, this they adjusted to him later in the game, which you know opened up Wicks and Henry and everyone else on the outside. But yeah. It, Look, it was just fun to watch. I don't know that I've like we we obviously saw Heath Miller, who's a different you know kind of a tactician and and, and great route runner, and I don't know if you know Jelani um, certainly doesn't have that route running ability yet. But when you're that big, you may not need it. Um, I mean, dudes are bouncing off of him, and if he can do that consistently, stay healthy, and keep that that kind of um, security blanket for Brennan, that just opens up so much for everyone else. You know, if you've got to roll the safety over top of whoever's guarding Woods, whether it's a linebacker or a nickelback or the other safety, um, like you're not going to guard that guy one-on-one multiple plays in a row, um, especially yeah. when Brennan's locked in and spotting him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think my headline was Woods is coming out, and he came out. I mean, shoot, by 11-15, he'd already <laughs> had like four catches. So. Yeah, right. Um, so we got to talk real quickly about the defense, and then we'll move over to the preview ahead. But, Before that, I just want to say that Dave said Woods coming out. <laughs> Woods coming out. Um, so, wait, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about it after the show. Oh man! All right. So, so, oh man, how am I supposed to re pick up the pieces there? Okay, we 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 at least have to talk about real quickly the defense. The this is a a team, a Virginia team that's only allowed 14 points. And I'm not really sure yet. I mean, like I, on the one hand, like offensively, I think when you, when you look at sort of what's working and the way that they're sort of leveraging their uh, playmakers, I mean, you've got not just Woods, but, but Wicks is, is an absolute star. Um, and you know, you've got Henry, you've got Starling, um, you know, there are a lot of weapons, um, out there. Um, Billy Kemp somehow manages to always come up with, you know, big plays, even though, you know, people just like I just did right there seem to, you know, not typically give him his due. Um, defensively, though, let's I, just real quick. I I think that you're seeing a, a defense that obviously is getting the job done. Um, the grades have not been quite as good as the as the offensive side of the ball. And I'm curious, um, it, what what do we think of the defense? Like, I'm I feel like the the stuff that they're running, it, it fits their personnel. Um, I feel like they're a little susceptible because the pass rush has not been up to the level we've seen in the past. And I'm curious, especially going into this matchup this weekend, Ferber, let's go to you. What's what do you feel? What's what's the vibe for you of the defense right now? Are you, you are you a believer? Do you still need to see what do you need to see more of? Tell me tell me how you're feeling about the Virginia defense at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything this week that made me feel really bad. Um, I, I said it last week, but I mean, the Wayman Mary game was basically like a free week for them just because, you know, they had a backup quarterback, backup running back. It just, they weren't going to do anything. Um, Illinois, you know, Illinois had a couple moments here and there where they looked competent. Um, I don't think they're like atrocious on offense, but they're certainly not like, you know, they're probably like the 10th best offense UVA is going to see this year, maybe 11th. Um, 
I, I think that in a lot of ways, and we can get into this when we get to the game this week, but I think in a lot of ways the season starts this week and like the way I will evaluate this team will kind of start this week. Um, you know, they play two backup quarterbacks um, at home and got through both games without any issues, but I, I just don't think they've really been tested yet. Um, you mentioned the pass rush. That's a huge problem if you can't get home this weekend. But on the flip side, I don't know if they've really been trying to get home that much. Um, like, I don't really know if they've, I haven't seen them like dial up a bunch of exotic stuff in the last two weeks to try to, you know, get after the quarterback and make things miserable for them. And, you know, we've talked about not putting stuff on film or putting stuff on film um, ahead of games that are more important. Um, I mean, you would have to imagine that they're going to put it, throw everything they can out there on Saturday. Um, so I think we'll see some things we ha maybe haven't seen yet, but I mean, they're going to still have to be productive and get home because otherwise Powell's is going to pick up a part and UVA's path to victory will just be outscoring them like last year. Um, secondary, I think has been fine. Um, you know, they did a pretty good job on Saturday. I thought like there were, they had a couple of deflections on, on balls that were kind of thrown up for grabs. Anthony Johnson obviously got the pick at the end. Um, they've been in the right spots for the most time. You don't see guys like running wide open. Like you saw in the back half of last season, having said that they haven't really played any dynamic receivers and that's going to change this week. Um, so I would say like to this point, I know it's sort of a cop out, but I have to kind of give them an incomplete. I mean, I think that they haven't done anything wrong. Um, they've certainly like taken care of business. Giving up two touchdowns in two games is very, very good against pretty much anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the the rubber meets the road on Saturday. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Saturday. Um, first off, I, I guess I, I have a mea culpa. Um, hashtag Brad was wrong. Um, sort of situation. I would like to read you a quote from Glenn Allen native uh, and UNC uh, defensive coordinator Jay Bateman. Um, he's talking about the multiplicity that UVA shows on offense. Um, and he said, well, I guess it's not a direct quote. Thanks, Barbara. Um, but basically, when a defense runs the same thing over and over, as he saw Illinois do Saturday, the who's can attack it more easily. That basically, what UVA does offensively forces teams to simplify their defensive calls. Now, I say this is a mea culpa because in if any if, for those of you out there who listen to a program called the Cavs Corner Podcast, um, <laughs> I talked last week pretty uh, uh, ad nauseum a little bit um, about sort of my frustration level with seeing some of the stuff that they ran to start the William Mary game and um, how I don't really think that it helps the team to put so much out there when it's stuff you're not going to run and those are reps that you really could have used for your other guys and it, it's clear at least on some level right um that 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 bronco and 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 robert and i's whole um ethos around this right that the more you throw out a defense um the harder it is for that defense to prepare for you um it, on some level it's right and i know that they do a lot of this just normally from scrimmage and a lot of it against illinois obviously it was one of the things that they clearly were taking advantage of is they um it reminded me of like um you know a basketball team that is you know the defense is, is not switching and so you just keep you just keep hammering them right from 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 the arc same sort of situation right virginia kind of put illinois in a spot where basically they dictated what illinois was going to be in it and then they just abused it and hey if the cavaliers can do that all season long that's gonna be great like we're gonna have a lot of fun on this podcast if they <laughs> if they're able to do that um with regularity um, how they, you know, how they're able to to really attack Carolina 
this weekend um, is is obviously it's going to be a, a big crux of 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 what this uh, the outcome of this game is going to be. But at the same time, I, I think, like I said, I I came on here and I bashed them a little bit, so I gotta gotta own that and say, you know what, I was wrong. Clearly, that is a thing, and um, it's working for them. Um, I also think that you know Brendan Armstrong, Jelani Woods, Dontavian Wicks, Billy Kemp, Rashawn Henry, um, those dudes are working for them too. Not to mention that offensive line, which you know, if you look at the grades for this week, they played really well, um, especially the the right side. Um, that they they did a really nice job and. So anyway, so let's talk about this Carolina matchup. The the heels a uh, little bit of the you know obviously a little bit of the shine off the uh, off the thing after their um, opening loss to to Virginia Tech. Um, certainly, Sam Howell has a lot uh, in in terms of his uh, skill set and his ability, but he doesn't have the pieces around him that he had last year, including those two running backs. Damon, as you sort of look forward to this game, what what stands out to you about Carolina? Um, what do you what what sort of takeaways do you do you have from their first couple games this season? Well, I mean, I think the obvious answer to that is Sam Howell, just because it's the nature of the beast, right? But uh, he's he's obviously the straw that stirs the drink for that offense. Everything that they do starts with him, and and the and the the reads he makes at the line, even after the snap, some of the reads he makes. Nick Howell has a lot of respect for for not just Sam Howell, but but the entire offensive system, the entire the entire scheme they're running, he says they basically will identify what you're trying to do and then do something off of that and figure out where you're most vulnerable and do something off of that. And, and so it he is like I said, he has a lot of respect for Sam Howell and the entire UNC offense. And and talking to Andrew Jones from uh, Tar Heel Illustrated today, he was talking a lot about how even last week in that big win. Sam Howell took a lot of hits last week and uh, the key, and, and I know that's obviously something UVA wants to do as well. You guys were talking earlier about how they haven't really gotten after the quarterback. I expect that's going to be a different story on Saturday night. I think they're absolutely going to be locked in on Sam Howell. They've done a really good job. When you look at the numbers from these first two UVA versus Sam Howell games, these last two years, he obviously is thrown for a ton of yards. He's thrown for eight touchdowns in those two games, but he's in the negative rushing yards for those two games. And that's obviously something that they're going to need to do again this Saturday because he showed how much of a dual threat he can be last year. But, but again, going back to that conversation I had with Andrew Jones, which we'll be able to watch a little bit later this week, but there's a little tease for later in the week, but uh, he was talking about how Sam Howell's ability to run last week has kind of disguised how they don't really have that good of a traditional running game through these first two weeks of their season. And so that's an interesting wrinkle too. It's there are a lot of similarities. I almost feel like between UVA and Carolina from an offensive perspective, because the quarterbacks are doing so much with UVA. It seems like it's just what they wanted to do. It sounds like with Carolina, it's maybe more of a factor of, that's what they've needed to do to get to this point. So obviously I think UVA is going to be all over Sam Howell. They're going to try to disrupt him and get him off his rhythm and disguise things as best they can and do basically whatever they can to get that guy off of his rhythm, because that's, he just, like I said at the top, he's the straw that stirs the drink for this Carolina offense. And we'll see, We'll see because I don't know. I think Ferber's incomplete for this UVA defense is the perfect way to describe it because I don't think we know a whole lot. They haven't shown a whole lot. They only forced those two turnovers late. They haven't been going after the quarterback. I think this is where we start to really figure out 
is this defense where they hoped they would be? Is it improved in the ways they hoped they would be improved? And we don't really have those answers. I feel like even though statistically they're great, I, I don't know if we have those answers and we'll definitely have a much better picture, a much clearer picture after Saturday night. Dave, what concerns you about Carolina? Is it Howell's ability to attack Virginia's secondary, which a lot of us, I think, still are a little bit uh, gun shy on? Uh, is it the overall, you know, the, the fact that Virginia's going to have to score points likely in this kind of game? What are your concerns going into Chapel Hill on Saturday night? Well, first of all, can we even get out of the state with that fence Draymond built around it? Remember? <laughs> okay. um, so, so assuming we get through that thing, um, look, I, I don't know. I don't know what Carolina is. Like, you know, I think it's easy when you're when you look at your team and you know everyone. Um, but even I, as a Virginia fan, I'm like, you know, I don't know where Virginia is yet because I don't think Illinois is very good and William Mary is William Mary. Um, but I, I think my concerns about Carolina are based more on what. I saw from them last year versus what I've seen from them this year. Um, you know, if anything, Virginia has a lot more pieces back from the team that beat Carolina last year than Carolina's got from the team that lost to Virginia last year. Um, granted, it's on the road, not at home. But, you know, Sam Howell is the number one concern because that boy's good. There's no 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 doubt about it. Um, the fact that he had to run so much against Georgia State, maybe maybe that was just to get Virginia to not rush him so fast, you know, next week. Um, but, you know, they talked about that in the offseason, him, you know, being a little more active with his legs, which makes you, you know, their tr tr traditional run game is just not where it should be because you don't want a guy like Sam Howell taking hits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd say, you know, he's the number one concern. Number two is just, like, how did Virginia react being on the road? This is their first true road game since they played at Carolina in 2019. Uh, November 2nd, now, obviously, they won that one. Um, then they played in the ACC championship, which is kind of a suit. You know, that was basically a road game. But, you know, the last true road game with fans since 2019. So how does that affect the guys? Or are they able to handle it? Um, like, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I think – yeah, I'd say how I don't think Carolina's defense is that good. I think their secondary is better. I just don't think they're physical. That's what Virginia's done to them. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Like both teams have a lot to prove. I, I don't think I think if you had to pick one team, this game is definitely more important for Carolina. You know, you can't start zero and two and and have lost the game and you know lost two coastal games and lost one of them at home. That puts you in a really that pretty much takes you out of the race. Part some crazy stuff. So it's a huge game for Carolina, but it's also a chance for Virginia. Um, a huge game because if they go to Carolina, you start the ACC conference play on the road with the win. Um, that's really good. So, yeah, it, it, I can't wait. 730. It's a late game. It's going to be tough on Mac, you know. <laughs> nice to get that little <laughs> dig in there at the end. Ferber, in terms of um... – I mean, I always think that it's problematic to sit from afar and try to, like, psychoanalyze, you know, oh, the players feel this. Oh, the players feel that. But I am curious to what degree you think the the hype around Carolina and the constant talk about Carolina, um, what what impact that will have on what how Virginia's players sort of approach this game. On the one hand, you do have the record, which, you know, you've got guys openly saying, which I don't think I've ever heard, probably because, you know, this hadn't happened often. I mean, Mandy Alonzo's like, look, I don't I don't I don't want to ever lose to Carolina. Um I, I think that, that 
that that in of itself says something to me. I'm just curious. How do you feel like the guys? How how do you feel like that angle, that part, will impact um, Saturday night? Is it just a a thing that it's fun for us to talk about, but realistically doesn't matter? Or do you think that it has some legs? I think it has something. I mean, I, for a game like this, I don't think you really should have to fire your team up too much. Um, you know, Dave mentioned going on the road. Um, you know, guys love playing at home, but I think you know players also love going on the road and, and playing well. Um, so I think that'll be exciting to go do something different. Um, you know, obviously huge coastal division game, a rivalry game. Like, I don't, I just don't think you need to like add a ton of juice to the game to make it, you know, something that the players get up for. Um, I think Alonzo's comments were interesting just from the, he just kind of bluntly put what I've been thinking about North Carolina for, you know, even before Mac Brown. Um, I think that, he didn't quite say it this straight up, but I think that they think Carolina is a finesse team. And if you punch them in the mouth, like you can go places. Um, and I mean, I, I think on the one hand, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, you know, we've seen it against other teams. UVA has had got really good starts against them in the last couple of years. Um, I think that Carolina is still did a pretty good job coming back in both of those games though. So I don't think it necessarily like they didn't fold. Um, but I do think that UVA feels like they can go play with them. I mean, they should feel that way after last year and the year before. Um, I think, I think Dave hit it on the money though. I think this game is definitely like a must win for North Carolina as much as any game can be. Um, if you lose this one, you're really far behind the eight ball. You've lost two tiebreakers against potential contenders. Um, and you still have a Miami game coming up. Um, and who knows what other games might be tough down the road. I think they have to win it. And um, and they obviously want to break this streak that UVA has going against them. So I'm sure they have the motivations too. Uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see. I, I think it'll be a hard fought game. I think both teams will really want it. Um, and if history is any indication, we should probably have a lot of points. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if this game ends up being what happened in Blacksburg to te- or to uh, UNC when they went to, to Blacksburg to open the season and it was 17 to 10. I don't see that happening again. Um, but at the same time, like, I think Dave's right. It, like, I think North Carolina is easily the best team UVA has played regardless. Um, but I, I, we don't really know how good they are yet either. Um, and that doesn't mean that, I mean, regardless, this is, a, this would be a huge win for UVA. I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but they might be more beatable than we realize now, or they might be, maybe that tech game was just an anomaly and they're as good as everybody thought they would be a month ago. Damon, do you agree with that? How, what do you, what are your thoughts on, on, on that specific aspect of this thing? What specific aspect? Well, just yeah. in terms of like the emotion and the sort of the, you know, the idea that like Carolina, you know, that Virginia's guys might see Carolina as just a, a finesse team that if you punch them in the mouth, Yeah, I think Mac Brown himself said that earlier this week. I think that's where this all stemmed from was the comments Mac Brown said on Monday morning about how UVA has just kind of out physicaled North Carolina in these two meetings since he's been back at UNC. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's absolutely credence to that. I Mandy Alonzo and Chris Glazer basically were just agreeing with uh, with Mac Brown when they were asked about it on Monday afternoon. So. And I think UVA obviously takes a certain amount of pride in that. That's what this program's kind of built on is, is being tougher, being more physical, outlasting your opponent. It's, it's basically the culture that this entire program's built on. 
So when they see a game like this against an opponent that they're aware that Carolina was picked to win the Coastal, they're aware that Carolina's nationally ranked at one and one, it was brought to their attention, at least to Chris Glazer's attention on Monday, that their UVA is two and zero, but they didn't get a single vote in the AP poll this week. But there's Carolina one and one sitting at number 21 in the country. And he, he was asked about that and he said, yeah, I'll absolutely share that with some guys. So I think they, uh, I think they definitely see that this is motivation because this is sort of, this is their, this is almost like a way of them proving to not just Carolina, not just to the rest of the coastal, but maybe a large part of the country that, that this, that this culture works and they see the way they've been able to outlast Carolina these last two years. And, and they genuinely believe that they've done that because of the physicality and just outworking them and working harder for longer. And so that'll definitely give them a little added something taking the field on Saturday night, especially given the other thing that's weird to me, not to get off on a tangent, but, but the 10 point spread is crazy to me. That ask about that. Yeah, I'm. I don't mean to steal your thunder, and we can get into that in a little bit. But I mean, like, I don't know how much UVA pays attention to those kinds of details, but that's crazy to me too. That this is a two-score game, uh, especially given the way these last couple of meetings have gone between these two teams. So, yeah, I definitely think you add all this up, and UVA, uh, th- th- this is stuff that they are building on going into this game on Saturday night. Um. Yeah, I was going to ask about the line. Where? where so it started at ten. Started at nine and yeah, a half. It's, it's currently at eight. Oh, it's down to eight now. Last I looked this afternoon, it was back at ten. Yeah, I've seen I've seen ten. I've seen eight and a half. I've seen nine. Somewhere mm-hmm. in there. I, my guess before the spread came out was seven and a half. Eight, and eight. Was eight and a yeah. half. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll settle around where it is, like eight, um, eight and a half. Okay. I, I think right. like it, there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, Carolina being at home is worth a few points. UVA being bad on the road is worth probably another point historically like the last couple of years um and i think uva is not getting a ton of credit for what they've done to this point for all the reasons that we've stated and um the metrics haven't caught up if carolina is not as good as people think then the metrics haven't caught up yet yeah that's a good point all right so let's talk about it um let's see damon let's start with you in the preseason you had carolina winning this thing 44 to 34 uh how you feeling now and give me your your number for the weekend. I it's funny. I was just thinking about this while while we were doing while I was doing some dishes before we started about how this is kind of where all of our predictions for the season kind of go in our divergent ways. And what did I have? Forty four thirty four. I don't know. Forty four. Yeah, forty four thirty four. Yeah. For one thing, I absolutely think it's going to be closer than that. I think it's going to be a one score game. This feels like I feel like it's going to be like the game down there two years ago that came down to the. Uh, that last play in the end zone, it was Jalen Baker, right? Who made the play in the end zone to, uh, to win the game, to end the yeah. game and give yep. UVA the win. I feel I feel like it's going to be another one of those kinds of games uh, that comes down to, to either comes down to the last possession or whichever defense makes one more play than the other one. One, one more forces, one more turnover gets a big sack on third down. Um, yeah. I, I definitely think it's going to be closer than that 44, 34 score. I, I don't know at this point in turn, I'm almost inclined to flip and say UVA is going to win this game just because I know we've just spent the last however many minutes, half hour, 45 minutes or so talking about how we don't know who UVA is yet. But I, I think, 
I think the one thing we feel really strongly about is Brennan Armstrong's pretty good. And even if this winds up being a shootout, I, I'd still feel pretty good about Brennan Armstrong's chances. The one question I still have about Brendan Armstrong that has not been answered this year is how does he play when they get behind? Like, what if they file, fall behind 10-0 early, 14-0 early? Because that's when he sometimes was at his worst last year. So, but if they get off to a fast start like they did last week, then again, that doesn't become a, that's not a factor again this week. So, I don't know. This is a long answer to a simple question, and I apologize. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to flip, and I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say 38-35 UVA wins this one. All right. Uh, Ferber, in the preseason, you had at Carolina 35-31. What say you now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Damon made a lot of good points. Um, you know, the last two years, I mean, even though UVA kind of got up on Carolina pretty big last year, that game still came down to the last. I mean, UVA had to fake a punt in like the last minute of the game to win it um, or hang on or however you want to describe that. I think this game will be similar. Uh, again, I think it'll probably be another high-scoring game between the two. Um I'm really interested in, I mean, I think UVA's offense against their defense will be really fun, but I'm really interested to see how UVA secondary holds up this year after getting pretty much blazed by Sam Howell the last two years. Um, and it, to be fair, I mean, that North Carolina game down there two years ago, UVA was really banged up in the secondary and it showed. And then last year, you know, the secondary just wasn't very good. So they haven't really given up much this year. Like it'll be really interesting to see if what happened in Blacksburg where, where UNC just couldn't get the passing game going was a sign of things to come with them. Like maybe their, their receiver losses are too big to kind of move on from, or if tech secondary just did a really good job in that one game. Um, I think it's going to come down to that specific element of it. And um, there was something else. Oh yeah. Damon kind of hit it. I was saving this for the preview really, but, I think the big key to the game for UVA is how they deal with adversity because they have faced none so far this year through two games. So, I mean, they're going to face adversity in this game at some point, whether it's early or late. Um, I think how they deal with that is going to be really important. I'm going to stick with my prediction um, because I think Carolina really needs it. I think they're better than what we saw in Blacksburg. I think that was sort of a perfect storm of opener on the road in a tough environment with new players. Um, I think they're going to be better in this one. I think UVA is going to lose a close one, but um, it's much more of a coin flip than than I think we thought maybe at the beginning of the season. And I really would not be surprised at all if UVA won, and I really like Damon considered flipping the pick. All right, Dave, in the preseason, you had Carolina 34 – sorry, Carolina 41-34 because you do that thing where you always give UVA a score first, which I hate. <laughs> um, 41-34, what say you now? Yeah, I mean – I'm going to flip it. I've been back and forth with it all day, but what it comes down to me is like, if Carolina can't run the ball um, and that allows Virginia to kind of keep another defender back, whether it's, you know, Noah Taylor drop in or playing a third safety consistently and not having to worry about the traditional run game. I think that helps alleviate, you know, Sam Howell's still going to get his yards, but if they can just keep him from getting, those 60, you know, 50, 60 yard chunk plays and make them earn it. You know, I think, I think that will go a long way to helping them win the game. Um, just, I think Brennan, you know, being on the road, hostile environment, like Brennan's a competitor. Like he's not as fiery as, as Bryce was, but you know, he's just super calm until he doesn't need to be. Um, you know, I think Damon said like, we, we haven't, 
haven't seen any adversity, hasn't made that bad throw. Um, but, you know, we've seen him come back from stuff as the quarterback at UVA already. So but I, I just trust UVA a little more than Carolina in this game. Some of that is obviously fandom and, and bias. Um, but I just – I like the matchup and I like what, you know, I like what Virginia showed me on offense and I don't really know how Carolina can stop it. So it's going to be a game decided by turnover. You know, turnovers will decide it. There's a shocker. Um and it'll be interesting because, you know, I think Justin mentioned, you know, we faked the punt to beat him last year, but we also faked a punt there in 19. So do we get three years in a row where we, I think it was yeah, Tanner Cowley. That was early in the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. With Brian first down. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, that means they'll pull out the stops. And, you know, I'm very interested to see how Carolina defends us. And I just think after seeing that offense this week, it's hard to pull against them now. Granted, they could change quickly, but I'm gonna I'm gonna flip. Say Virginia wins this thing. I don't think it's gonna be quite as high scoring as I thought in the preseason. I think you know this might be a week where we see Virginia run the ball a little more and try to eat some clock, um, even though that wasn't what they did last year. Um, but I'll say Virginia wins thirty-three to thirty. All right. In the preseason, I had this thing forty-one thirty-seven UVA, and I, I don't think I'm gonna change that either. Um, Two things. One, um, I think the thing that we have not talked about that was really you know, striking to me about last week's performance against Illinois was just how aggressive Virginia was. And Dave said something a second ago about, you know, maybe UVA wants to run the ball a little bit more to, to run some clock. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. I'm just saying that, like, I'm not going to be surprised if Virginia comes out there looking to force the agenda. I'm I, that's maybe one of the things that's so confusing about the the, the first, you know, the, those initial play calls, those early, you know, first half play, some of those first half play calls that UVA had. Um, I, I think that for the first time, maybe since he got to UVA, I think Robert and I, if you, maybe you can't say he necessarily has that full trust in all the pieces, but I think he understands how special this group is. Um, I, I just think that, that he, they were so aggressive right off the jump last week. Um, I, I think that's going to continue. The second thing is like to I, forget, I think it was Damon earlier, or maybe it was Ferber who said that you know Brennan Armstrong is really good. Um, typically in these kinds of situations, I go with the with the team that has the better quarterback. And undoubtedly, as good as Brennan Armstrong has been, as good as you know he could be, Hal has you know more potential. Um, he's just a different player, right? The difference here is that Hal doesn't have the pieces around him that he had last year. And now he's got to, he's just sort of got to endeavor all of it, right? And that's not to say that Carolina doesn't have talent. They do. Um, but they don't have the level of talent, and they certainly don't have the level of experience and production around him like they had last year. I, I think that the, the loss of those two running backs, um, you, you know, not enough people paid that close enough attention um, going into the season. And I'm, I think that's going to be a ghost that sort of haunts them all year long. Now, maybe they're able to get right. And maybe they, you know, maybe they figure out a way to sort of make up for that. I don't think they're going to do it this week. I, I, I don't think even with as much, you know, concern or, or even the remaining questions I have about Virginia's secondary. Um, I, I just, I don't know, man. I just feel like Virginia's going to be able to outscore them. Um, which is not a thing I think I've ever said on this podcast. Um, so I, I, I fully understand that Sam Howell's uh, uh, just an incredible prospect and a heck of a quarterback. Um, and I also don't think that ultimately he's going to have the better offense on the field. Um, and, 
you know what? I think that's going to, that's going to win the day or the night as it, as the case might be. Um, real quick. I actually uh, have a couple things. Actually, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah. Go, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, you kind of hit on it, um, there at the end, but because we're so early in the season and, and, you know, UNC played Georgia state. So we don't know a lot of, I mean, that game doesn't mean much to me um, unless they lost or something. Uh, and then obviously we talked about UVA's kind of scheduled at this point. If UVA wins on Saturday, the, the, the most likely reason is that UVA is just better than them. And we just don't, we're just not sure of that yet. If that makes sense. It's not necessarily like, Oh, UVA went out and now that's executed them. UVA might just be the better team. Um, and we just don't have the proof yet. Um, I've seen enough in the first two games from UVA to think that that's possible. Like, it's not like they're not going to have to win in some sort of like fluky way where they out, you know, over overplay themselves. Um, and then also Dave mentioned turnovers like that has not, it's been, so, I mean, what was it like the fourth quarter of the second game before there was a turnover either way in a UVA game um, for yeah. either team. And I think that has like not been a problem at, at, at some point there has to be like a regression to the mean there one way or the other, you know, either you start forcing them or you start giving them up. Um, so that is definitely something to watch this week. Yeah. And I was going to say like one, I don't can't remember if it was on Broncos radio show or before the press conference and it's either 50 years ago or in the 1950s was the last time Virginia's gave up 14 points in the first two games. Like it's the best start since then. So we don't know what this defense is because they played Illinois and William Mary, but trust me, sometime in the last 50 or 70 years, whichever the stat really was. Cause the, the 1952 team pitched three straight shutouts to open the season. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So, yeah. Like did we have that? How did, how did we pick that in the podcast that year? I don't remember. But. <laughs> yeah. It was but yeah. I mean, like, I think that the defense, like, just like I said, UVA might legit just be better than North Carolina, just like Virginia tech beat them. Virginia tech might be better than them too. Um, yeah. And that might just be why they beat them. Um, and we're going to find out, but the defense, UVA's defense could be pretty good too. We just, I just don't have enough to sit here and say, like, I feel really good about that until I see what they do this week. And then, Really, even after this week, you know, they'll have another couple tough games coming up after that. Yeah. My, my only point of bringing that up is like, I mean, because I don't think we've seen a lot. They haven't been tested a whole lot. But I'm assuming some point in the last 70 years, they've had two opening games that weren't very testing and they couldn't do it. Right. So there yeah. is some positive to be gained from it. And then the last thing I just remembered um, hopefully the Justin Dunkel misses were just a fluke, you know, because um, this could be the kind of game that comes down to a field goal. And you hope that. I don't think that he's bad or anything, but I hope that that does like the two misses don't like mess with him at all. You know? All right. Well, I think that's a pretty decent place to put a pin in it. I guess, do we have a prop bet update, uh, Ferber? Do you, or do you want to pass? Oh that yeah. On so, um, I think there's only one or there's two that are in the bag already. Um, the first one, obviously the first touchdown of the year, all of us got it wrong. Um, it was Brandon Armstrong two yard run, I believe. Mm. Um, I can't believe none of us had Brandon. What did I wait? What did I guess? What did I guess? Um, I don't have it in front of me, okay. but it wasn't that. Um, I guess Talapapa, I believe. Yeah, there was a Talapapa guess. There was a Jelani Woods guess. I think I had a Keaton guess. Um, and then I think some. I think one of us had like a Brennan pass to somebody. Um, yeah, like, I feel like I had a Brennan pass to somebody. Yeah, I think that's. What yeah, I, I can't remember what it was. And then the other one was, will there be a safety? And that was a yes. Uh, in the Wave and Mary game, the bad snap. Um, and all of us had that except for Damon, who said, ha, ha. 
he went against us and, and it, it came back to bite him. But there's been a few others where I've been like looking, like like I mentioned earlier, the 500 yard one I thought might have actually come into play. Well, and Mike Collins took the kickoff return for right. Yeah, that was another one that <laughs> I was like about I turned to, to Brad mentally in the press off. box and was like, well, I got that one wrong, and then I. And then it got, got called, called back. back. Yeah. Yeah. And th- there's been a few others where it's been kind of close. Like um, right now, like the one of them is like longest touchdown of the year. And they've had some really long plays, but Starlings against William and Mary is still the longest touchdown. Um, but that one, I mean, that one might not stand over the course of the games. And it's too early to do a lot of them, but but you can already kind of see things falling into place where you're like, oh, like I've already looked at somewhere. I'm like, oh, I was definitely wrong about this. Like guessing whatever I guessed here. Um, like Brennan, Brennan Armstrong is on pace for like 4,500 passing yards right now. Um, and Didn't we have like how many guys are going to throw a pass? Because we added Wicks Saturday. I don't think that was on there. Um, oh, but yeah, I, did, I didn't have that one on my bingo card. Okay. Um, but we did have like Wolfolk and Armstead catches. <laughs> um, and there's one. Armstead had one catch. I think it was against mm-hmm. Illinois. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but I think those are the only two that are in the bag at this point. And oh yeah, and all of, like almost all of our touchdown guesses have scored, which is crazy <laughs> because normally it takes like the whole season. Um, but I was looking at it the other day, and it was like the only people that we guessed that haven't scored are like Hollins, um, and there's like one or two others that haven't scored. But they've really like had a bunch of different guys score touchdowns already yeah, this they year. Have. I, I remember texting you about that the other day, and I was like, "Wait, what's the what's the number?" Because I mean, like, you had somebody the- on. You had like Noah Taylor on yours. Um, no, so that <laughs> yeah, okay. so that could come that at any like time. It. But like you know, and it was like Hollins, and then I, I think Armstead. A few of us had. Um, I think that's. I think there might be like one other person that I'm not. You know, that isn't there yet. Right. But like, pretty much everybody has scored that we thought. Which is, I mean, you think about how many different guys have scored already. It's a bunch. Um, yeah, I mean, Wicks had two touchdowns. Also, you got kind of close on that one. We have that long shot prop where it's like, will there be 60 points or all those? One of them was like two different players scored two receiving touchdowns in the same game. They came damn close to that in Illinois because yeah. Wicks yeah. had two. Um, and, you know, so Henry had one. Or, uh, you know, Henry had, had some one. looks and Thompson yeah. had a touchdown. Camp had one. Yeah, Woods. Yeah, so it, it was. they were close. Um, yeah. But we'll see what happens. They certainly are going to. If their offense keeps playing like this, our, our props might be like way off. <laughs> well, I guess we'll wait and see. If you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, you can look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And if you're so inclined, you give us a rating review. It helps to get us out in more front of more people. We appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who found the podcast but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Right now, you can check out all sorts of stuff. Um, Damon had, you know, he's talked to Dak Twitty. He's talked to Ryan Dunn. He's talked to um, Isaac Trout in the last week. Um, Lenore Sellers. A, yeah, that's right. Um, Lenore Sellers, the 24 uh, commitment, the dual threat kid. Um, let's see. You got Ferber's Take Two. You got the film room. There's video of Jelani Woods up there. Um, breaking down the offense, breaking down the defense. Um, lots of stuff obviously still to come um, in the next few days. So definitely give us a look at CavsCorner.com. Um, now, again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank uh, Dave Ferber and Damon for giving graciously their time. As always, very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.